It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. What do the teams you root for, your music playlists, and your podcast feeds all have in common? Spoiler alert, they're a reflection of you, and that's what the State Farm Personal Price Plan has in common, too. It gives you options to help personalize your coverage so that you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you, so you can see more of yourself in everything you love. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state, options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Redskins. I'm your host, as always, Zach Hicks. You can find my work on Breaking Football and here on Locked On Redskins on Megaphone, along with follow me on Twitter at ZachHicks2. And we have a great show today. Again, we are going to go over the good, the bad, and the ugly from this past weekend's games. There was a lot of good, a lot of bad and a lot of ugly. So we actually have a lot to talk about today. But before we jump into it, I do want to say, I was kind of right when I said this game was going to be something to remember, and going to be a great game. Because even though the Redskins did not come out on top, and it was a heartbreaking game, and I know we're all very upset about that, and the last thing you want to hear me say is this Redskins team put up a good fight against a good team. It was a good game. And you know what? They put up a really good fight against one of the best teams in football, perhaps the best team in football. Now, I'm not going to act like it was a good game by any means, especially when you blow a big lead like that late in the game. You can never say that is ultimately positive right there when you blow a big lead like that with three minutes to go in the game. So, again, I'm not going to say this game was a huge positive or a moral victory, like I said, after that Chiefs game earlier in the year or any of that kind of crap. I'm going to say what it was was it was a good two good teams playing, a good team playing against a great team. The great team came out on top, but the good team put up a really good fight, especially with all their injuries still on their team. And they, they put up a good fight, and that's all you can really ask in this Redskins team. It's just been a pretty painful season so far for the Skins, where this is probably the best team they've had since maybe like 2007, 2012 maybe, you can argue. But they're just not able to put it together because of all the injuries, because of the tough schedule, because of so many factors. But to start off, we're going to jump into the good from yesterday's game, and the number one good, which we need to talk about. There was barely any flaws in his game whatsoever. Kirk Cousins was outstanding. Like, he was picking apart the Saints' defense. Now, I know the Saints were down Marshawn Lattimore. I know that Cam Jordan was ailing. I know Kenny Vaccaro was ailing. I know all their linebackers on their team are hurt. But Kirk Cousins took advantage of that, and he was as aggressive as he has been all year. He was surgical almost in in a lot of the passes he was throwing. He was throwing dimes left and right. The one of Vernon Davis in the first half, the one right over the shoulder, was outstanding. I mean, he... Had an excellent game. Everything he did was almost, like, almost everything he did was perfect. On the Ryan Grant touchdown, he got hit hard. He got, like, popped right in the face on that Ryan Grant touchdown. But he hung in there, and he hit Ryan Grant for that 40-yard touchdown. And he did everything he could to get the Redskins to win. And, unfortunately, the defense couldn't hold it. But, again, we will talk about the defense later. Unfortunately, the defense couldn't hold it together. But, man, Kirk Cousins was excellent. You can't fault him at all. And, honestly, the whole offense was pretty great except for a couple of plays here and there. But the offense is great. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan had his best game of the season by far. Samaj P. Ryan this whole year was tentative running the ball. He was fumbling a lot. He just looked like a guy who didn't belong on the field. In this game, he put his foot in the ground. He was running guys over. He's running through contact. He was really making good, strong, confident cuts. And that's what the Redskins drafted this guy for. 
you, you didn't draft him to be your burner. You didn't draft him to be your big play threat. But if he can put his foot in the ground, he can get forward, he can break a couple tackles, and he can get those eight yards of carry, eight, nine yards of carry every now and then, that's all you can really ask of Samaj P. Ryan. So he did excellent, best game of the year, and I'm glad that he built on a strong performance that he put together against the Vikings. And hopefully this is the start of many strong performances for him because the Redskins need that. The Redskins need a running game. They can compete or beat anybody in the NFL with a good running game. I'm actually fully confident in the Redskins' ability to win out and go 10-6 and and make the playoffs if the running game stays up to par like it was this last game. If they can run, the, if P. Ryan and the rest of the guys can run the ball as well as they did this last game, I'm completely confident in them going 10-6. and So I will stamp this right now. This is, this is a guarantee right here. If P. Ryan rushes over 90 yards in any of the, of the following games, in any of these last couple games, the Redskins will win every single game that he runs for over 90 yards. Guarantee it. I will put that down right now. You can quote me on this later. If he has any other games where he runs over 90 yards, the Redskins will win because the running game is that important to a Jay Gruden offense. The reason why it's so important, Kirk Cousins is far and away the best play-action quarterback in all of football, by far. He almost has a perfect passer rating off play-action. And that's with these receivers who aren't great, with these tight ends who are battered and injured, with Chris Thompson now who's out for the year. This is with all that going on, he's still the best play-action quarterback in all of football. Why is that? Because he sells it well, and he loves those one reads where he's rolling out of the pocket. He is excellent at that. But he needs a strong run game to establish that. So if Piran is getting 80, 90 yards a game, he is setting up Kirk Cousins for his best success, for Kirk Cousins to be the best Kirk Cousins he can be. So as long as P. Ryan is getting 90-plus yards a game, Redskins are winning every game down the stretch, especially against his weak schedule. So stamp that, guarantee it. P. Ryan was excellent, and if he continues this excellent play, the Redskins can win out. Other players that really stood out, though, we're going to have to go to the skill position players here on offense. Josh Jackson had one of his best games of the year. He looked confident. He got a lot of targets, a lot down the field. And besides that one, I'm gonna, I'm not, I won't know if I call it a drop because Lattimore was all over his right arm. But, I mean, if you want to be a number one receiver in the NFL, you got to make that catch. He got both hands on it, hit him in the chest, got to make that catch. But, again, I'm not going to call it a drop per se. I'll just call it a ball that you need to come up with. But besides that, Doxon was having a great game. He was all over the field, getting targets down the field. Second Lattimore went out, his confidence went up, and Kirk's confidence in throwing the ball to him went up. And it really showed. I mean, I think he finished the game with – with like 90 yards on five catches or four catches for 81 yards. Very good game for Josh Doxson. Ryan Grant, again, I never thought I'd praise this guy going into this year. I really never thought I'd ever praise this man. But he has been excellent this year, especially in wake of all these injuries with Terrell Pryor being out, Brian Quick being out still with his concussion. And Ryan Grant has really stepped up this year. He has been a playmaker. And I know it was a broken play, but, I mean, Ryan Grant, you know, he got open on that last play. He got open on the 40-yard touchdown. It was a great play by him, and he got open. Honestly, Ryan Grant, I just want to see more of him on the field because he's been excellent this year. Vernon Ageless or Vernon Davis is his actual name, but Vernon Ageless, I mean, he, he just gets better every week. And honestly, he's making the tight end position a point where the Redskins can invest in it in the draft because Jordan Reed is, you're scared of Jordan Reed's injury, but you don't need to because Vernon Davis is that good. Jeremy Sprinkle had a good game as well. Niles Paul, you know, when he's getting his health fully back, he'll be fine too. And it's kind of got to the point where the Redskins don't really need Jordan Reed anymore. And I'll get on I'll probably touch on that later in the week. But Jordan Reed never plays. But the Redskins still utilize their tight ends better than most teams in the NFL. And that is because guys like Vernon Ageless and Jeremy Sprinkle jumped into a game and just stuff like that. They have tight end depth and Jordan Reed it's making Jordan Reed expendable on this team, especially with that five year, fifty million dollar deal. But again, I will talk about that later in the week. I don't want to spend a whole review podcast talking all about Jordan Reed and him being expendable. So we'll jump into that later in the week. 
But, I mean, off, offense, again, was outstanding. Defense, not many big pluses. DJ Swearinger, again, had a really nice pick, and he's just been building all year. I mean, I know the defense faltered down at the end of the game, but I don't really put many of that on him. There's a lot of blown coverages, a lot of blown assignments. I don't really put money, much of that on him. He was doing everything he could out there. So DJ Swearinger, another great game from him. Uh, besides that, I mean, Martell Spate flashed a little bit, but besides that, the defense really does not merit many good. I will say I, I, I never thought I'd ever give credit to a guy like this, but kicker Nick Rose, I mean, I, I'm not really going to praise a kicker because, again, it's a stupid kicker. I don't care about kickers. I think they are irrelevant. I don't think they have a place in the football. But Nick Rose, I mean, we had no confidence in him coming in as our kicker. He's like 70% effective in college, and he's come in. He's really solidified that position. He's actually been dependable, and I've never seen kickers dependable. I don't. I hate kickers, man. This is why I hate kickers. They're never dependable. But he's been dependable this year, and you know, props to Nick Rose. He's been very dependable, and, and he's getting he's kicking touchbacks on every uh, kickoff too. So, props to Nick Rose. He's come in and he's really owned that job, and he's probably been better than than Hawker, Hopkins, any of those scrubs who have been here the last couple of years. So, big props to to Nick Rose coming in here and just getting that job. So before we jump into the bad for today's episode, I just want to preview the rest of the week and how it, what the outlook is for the rest of the week here. Tomorrow we're going to talk about expendability. We're going to call it the expendables episode. We're going to talk about which players on this team I see as expendable in relation to their contract, in relation to their play, whatsoever. We're going to talk about every expendable player on this team. So that's going to be fun for sure, just bashing players for, for 20 to 30 minutes. That's going to be a lot of fun. Wednesday, we have our mailbag edition. Thursday, I'm going to try to get a podcast up. I know it is Thanksgiving. I'm going to try to get one up. I'm not too sure exactly what I'm going to do with that one. Maybe go over the history of Redskins on Thanksgiving Thanksgiving days. And Friday, we will do our player review slash breakdown of the Redskins-Giants game because I know the Redskins play on Thursday this week. So we will be doing all that this week. So be sure to tune in for Locked on Redskins this week as we drop some great content. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now to jump into the bad for this week. Now, again, I always have trouble deciphering between the bad and the ugly. But for bad, I gotta say the miscommunication there on when the Redskins were in field goal range. You know, when the score was tied at 28, or when the score was tied at 31, my fault. When the Redskins were tied at 31 with about 28 seconds left and like the 25, 26-yard line, that mis- miscommunication but from Gruden and Cousins on the sideline, that was terrible. I mean, again, the rule book, the rules were terrible too. I mean, that was definitely not intentional grounding. But again, you, you live with the calls that are, give, that are told to you. You can't, you can't put yourself in a situation for that call to be made. And I don't understand, one, why Gruden and Cousins couldn't have that communication to know, like, heck, either throw the ball or don't throw the ball. I don't understand that. Two, just run the ball, kick the field goal. Who cares? I don't care if they're stacking the box. Just get the two yards, clock the ball, kick the field goal. That's all you had to do. I don't understand the, the audible to a pass. I don't understand Cousins panicking and throwing it out there. There was just a lot of confusion on that play as a fan, and it was probably even more confusion on the field for those players, and it was just terrible. It really cost the, the Skins a chance for the game because, like I said earlier, Nick Rose has been balling this year. 
Nick Rose is probably making that kick. And it's just terrible to watch. It was horrible to watch. And it was just a, a big epic meltdown by the offense. And, you know, the offense had a great game. And you don't want to take away from that great game. But that one play, that one play right there was just terrible. And, and then, you know, not blocking for Kirk on the next play again. And when he got crushed from his blind side, terrible. And it just cost the Skins a chance at winning the game. And it was probably the, the worst way it could have happened, too. Because I would rather them just falter at the beginning and not get into field goal range and not break my heart. But instead, they had to break our hearts, like always. That's just what the Redskins do, I suppose. <laughs> Another bad I want to get into, which I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, is Zach Brown's play the last couple weeks has really not been that great. And I'm not again, I'm not saying he's a terrible linebacker. I'm not even saying he's bad. I'm still saying he's a very good linebacker, and he's played excellent this year. But his flaws are really starting to show as the year's gone on. Now, the big problem with him has always been he doesn't shed blocks as a linebacker. He runs around blocks. And it was great early in the year with Matt Ioannidis completely healthy, Jonathan Allen healthy, Phil Taylor in the preseason completely healthy. Zach Brown was free to run wherever he went because those three guys are studs. But now with Jonathan Allen out for the year, Phil Taylor's been out since the preseason. Matt Ioannidis has the club on his hand now. Zach Brown can't run around these guys because Ziggy Hood, Stacey McGee, Terrell McClain, they can't hold their blocks like those other guys can. And it's really showing Zach Brown's inability to, to shed blocks, and it's really showing his weaknesses. And again, another weakness he has had all year, and he's had basically his whole career, he is horrible in pass coverage. Like, putrid in pass coverage and it's really stuck out the last couple weeks teams are really targeting him when it comes to pass coverage whoever he's on teams are looking that way and it's it's really bad and I think this is I think we're starting to see why Zach Brown wasn't paid by many teams in the offseason why teams were a little scared of Zach Brown and again I'm not saying he's terrible I'm not saying he's bad I'm not even saying he doesn't deserve to get re-signed by the skins because he is a great role player but I think our expectations of him need to lower because he is not a star player he's not superstar type player He's a very, very good role. He's basically like what Chris Thompson is on offense. He's like, we want more of Chris Thompson. We want him all over the field. We want all this to do with Chris Thompson because we think he's a stud, right? But Zach Brown's the same way. Chris Thompson can't be an everyday running back because of his size, because of the way he plays, stuff like that. Well, Zach Brown can't be your captain of your middle linebacker, can't be your pass coverage, and you're running. He's not that because his style of play is I'm going to run around you, make athletic plays in the backfield, and I'm going to get 1,000 tackles. That is Zach Brown. Chris Thompson on offense. I'm going to catch balls out of the backfield, I'm going to make you miss, and I'm going to get first downs. Those are their roles. They both play their roles to an elite level, but it's not a role that you can't expand the role and expect the same contribution in different areas. They are excellent at their one area. They can't really do other areas that great. So Zach Brown's kind of like that to me. I love the guy. I still think he should be re-signed, but I guess if he's asking $12, $10, 12000000 dollars a year, my, my, my tune has definitely changed on that just because I am noticing the flaws now, and I'm noticing the drawbacks and stuff like that, and it's terrible. My last real bad from this game isn't really the Redskins. I touched on it a little bit earlier. The refereeing in this game was god-awful. I mean, just terrible. I'm, I'm so sick of the way that the refs do games. I'm not blaming this Redskins loss for the refs and, and stuff like that. I'm not that kind of fan. I do believe that the right team typically wins a game in the end, no matter what the refs call. But that, oh my gosh, that intentional grounding was so bad. It was so bad. It wasn't even, like... I don't think the refs understand what intentional grounding is because that call is nothing near intentional grounding. One, that play was almost exactly like what a spike is. If, if none of you guys know what a spike is in the NFL, it's when you're trying to trying to stop the clock when the clock is running late in the second half or late in the end of the game, you spike the ball into the ground, right? Well, technically, 
there's no receiver around that. There's no intended receiver, and the quarterback's still in the pocket. So technically, that should be intentional grounding, right? By the way that the Redskins, you know, by the way the refs did it in this past game. So, I mean, it's the same thing. Kirk just, Kirk was not rushed. Nothing like that. He threw the ball away. Yes, he wasn't intending any receiver, but again, the way intentional grounding is described in the rulebook is if a quarterback facing pressure throws the ball while in the pocket to no receiver. Now, he was not facing any pressure whatsoever, so that call was completely wrong. It was a terrible play by them. It was a terrible call, and it was just, I, I hated it. I really hated it, honestly, and it really cost the skins late in that game. But, I mean, again, we've had good calls go our way this year late in games, too, so I don't really dwell on ref plays. Another one I have to get on, though, which I've noticed for years, and I just got to say it on a, on, you know, on a, a platform that gets out to people, finally get to say it, is Kerrigan gets held on every single play. I don't know if it's because he's a bull rushing type player, if he's just the player he is, but that rookie on the right side, Ryan Ramchek, I love Ryan Ramchek. I thought he was a great pick for the Saints, and he's been playing great this year, but he could not stop Ryan Kerrigan once in that game. He was holding the crap out of Kerrigan, and it was terrible. I don't know what the refs were looking at. Almost every other play, Kerrigan's getting an arm around his throat, just pulled down. Ew, God, it was terrible. So that's just my last bad right there. I mean, the ref, the refereeing was terrible. I, I don't have any words for it, honestly, but it's part of football. Both teams get bad calls, go their way, but those just those just irked me a little bit, so those are definitely bads for me in this game. Now, before we jump into the ugly of this week, I just remind you guys to rate, review, subscribe, everything, all that crap on iTunes. I love all your reviews so far. I've gotten plenty of reviews, and I have loved every second of them. Please leave your Twitter handle or or whatever social media you use in the link in your like description or in your review, just so I know who to give a shout out to on Twitter. Because again, I love it. I'll give you guys shout outs. I don't care. I'll promote you guys as much as you promote me. So just remember, guys, rate, subscribe, review on iTunes, Locked On Redskins. I'll be looking out. Thanks, guys. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now to jump into our ugly for this week. And you can't start this ugly without talking about the Chris Thompson injury. I believe it was a broken femur or something they say. I might be completely wrong about that, so... Don't quote me on that. I know it was something broken in his leg, but Chris Thompson with a broken leg is out for the year, and this is just terrible news for a guy who has been not only our best player on our offense, he has been our best receiver, our best running back, our best third down option, our best red zone option. I mean, he has just been our best option on this offense, and it is painful to see a guy who, uh, really, like a homegrown talent, a guy who's under underdog, homegrown guy that all the fans love, does a lot of community work, just to see him have a career year like this and just have it end like this is it's horrible. It's like actually it breaks your heart, honestly. It really breaks your heart as a fan, as someone who covers a team like me. It just breaks your heart and it's horrible to see. My thoughts and prayers are with Chris Thompson and I hope he comes back even stronger from this injury. I know his injury history is pretty big. It's I think it's I think he tore his ACL twice in college. He also like broke his back in college and now along with this broken leg, that has a lot of injuries on a guy who takes hits almost every single time he touches the football. So we'll see how he comes back from this, but knowing the guy that is Chris Thompson, the type of warrior he is, the type of like fighter he is, 
I think Chris Thompson's going to come back even stronger from this, and I look forward to seeing him play in the burgundy and gold for the rest of his career. Now, to stay on the ugly, before we get to the defensive meltdown at the end of the game, because that was definitely ugly, we're just going to point out one player in general here. Now, I saluted him a couple weeks for his game in Seattle, but since then, my God, he has been terrible, and Father Time has really caught up with this guy. He is slow, he can't tackle, he's horrible in coverage, just an overall liability on this team. D'Angelo Hall, man, ugh, God. I mean, that game was almost unwatchable just because of him. I mean, just slow him down at least on the Mark Ingram touchdown. Don't blow every coverage. Like, he is so slow back there. Who would have thought, thinking, you know, seeing D'Angelo Hall when he played in college, who would have thought that this guy would ever be slow? I mean, he was lightning out of college, and God, he is just terrible right now. He's hard to watch. Monte, you know, the, the big problem with Nicholson's injury isn't that, you know, it's Nicholson being out, because again, he's a rookie. He's going to make rookie mistakes and stuff like that. Nicholson being out, though, is terrible because Hall has to play. And, I mean, I, I, I don't know how much longer I can watch Hall back there. I'd rather bring back Iannaccio and Bruton and all those those guys who are retired or in the CFL at this point because D'Angelo Hall's terrible. He's just a locker room guy at this point. Bring him on as a defensive back assistant for next year. I don't care, but please, please don't bring him back as a player even after this last game because he is god-awful liability on the field right now and to jump into our final ugly i mean the defensive breakdowns there at the end of the game were terrible i mean yeah you can't give up 15 points in three minutes it wasn't even three it was 15 points in two minutes and i know the offense didn't help by not getting that short first down but come on have some pride you're 15 points at least stop the two-point conversion anything i don't i mean there's not much there's no words it was just defensive breakdown allowing big plays just fundamentals just being broken, no pressure, no coverage. Ugh, God, it was bad. And you, you can't be a good team blowing leads like that. And honestly, I could see this season really derailing if it weren't for the leadership of guys like Kirk Cousins, DJ Swearinger, Josh Norman, Jay Gruden. If it wasn't for those guys' leadership, I really do see the season derailing after a loss like that. But luckily, I do think this is a different team. Like I've, I've raved on here before about the culture in the locker room now. I do think it's a different team. I do think they finished the year eight and eight to ten and six. I don't feel I don't see them going lower than eight and eight because I do think this is a good team that can bounce back. It's just that is a heartbreaking loss, and the defense is the core reason. You have to at least stop a little bit there. Besides one pick in the first half, the defense was abysmal the entire game, and the run defense in general too. I mean, they were just getting manhandled. That was also really ugly. But defense in general it wins the the ugly award, the ugly duckling award of the week because defense definitely cost the game, especially late. A two-score lead, you can't, you can't blow a two-score lead in, with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. That, that's just horrible. It's horrible. And that's just all in the defense. It's all Minuski to make adjustments, and it's all Minuski to make sure D'Angelo Hall never puts on a Redskins jersey again. All right, guys, that is all I have for today's show. Remember, guys, rate, review, and subscribe to me on iTunes. But besides that, that is all I've got. Be sure to tune in to the show's later this week as we will talk more about this Giants matchup. I mean, I, I hope the Skins come out and handle their business against the Giants because Giants are a really bad football team and Redskins really need to get a win in here. So this is going to be a big test for the Skins and we will break it down tomorrow. I'm going to try to get some guests on last minute here. So nothing nothing is set in stone. But yeah, guys, so I will catch you guys tomorrow. And we will talk about the Redskins and Giants matchup this week on Thanksgiving. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.